I want to talk about the Spice Girls and I want to talk about struggle reunions. Like, first of all, I'm all about the reunion, yo. I'm all about everybody getting back together. I don't give a fuck if it's friends, family. I'm all about the reunion, right? But if it's going to be a reunion, especially if it's going to be people reuniting, that was a part of my past of my life that I love. Shit, damn it. If you're going to reunite, please do it right. I cannot stand a struggle reunion, and I'm sick and tired of them. So honestly, in all due respect to the Spice Girls, they are not the first struggle reunion tour <laughs> that has made me feel like this. But it's kind of like the one that has pretty much pushed me over the top at this point. So when I think about like struggle reunions... Like, the longest-running struggle reunion ever to date is, in my opinion, the Jackson 5, okay? I could be wrong, but as far as, in my, as, far as I can remember in my little generation, the Jackson 5 is the longest-running struggle reunion to date. Now, every single time they get together, it's bad as, as first of all, let's be honest, they're nowhere near as good-looking or cute as they used to be, you know? Anybody who was, I think Tito, out of all the Jackson 5s, was like the only person who like still remained some type of cuteness and was bagging some young chicks in his older days, probably still bagging them now. And other than that, like the rest of them, you, we all know, let's look, come on, we're not even going to start talking about Jermaine. Because we all know Jermaine done transformed. I don't know what that... Jermaine looked like a motherfucking Autobot. You know? Like, we... We we not going to touch Jermaine with a 10-foot pole. Okay? But when I think about, like, the most recent ones that got on my nerves... I know that Clueless did a reunion. And I was talking about this in a recent episode. Dion wasn't there. It wasn't mad people that wasn't there. Like, when I think... All right, who showed up? Who showed up? Okay, Josh showed up. Um, Cher showed up. We love Alicia Silverstone, you know, especially when she was in that um, stalker uh, movie chick thing back in the day. But we love Alicia. And who showed up? Maury showed, um, um, Maury showed up. Uh, Murray, excuse me. And I believe the gay guy. I can't remember his name at the time. But after that, nobody else. So there was other characters there. When I think of Clueless, I think about like nine damn people. Even Amber, for crying out loud. She was fucking annoying, but she was a part of it. The fuck was, and where the fuck was Dion? Where was Stacey Dash? Nobody was there. So I, like, I, was, I was like there for her, but I wasn't really there for it. And then I remember that Living Single had the 25th anniversary last summer. I was watching all weekend. And they still got it. If you want to binge watch on Hulu right now, but who didn't show up? Khadijah didn't show up. Queen Latifah didn't show up, and Max did not show up. Damn it, Alex Alexander. Um, whatever. So I'm like, listen, damn it. And they was two of my favorites. Of course you love. Of course you love Regine. Of course you love Kyle. I love you love Overton. You love all these people. But where the fuck was Khadijah and Max at? We all know those was the two besties of the show. And like some, um, you know, come on, everybody was funny, but. It's not the same without them. It's just like every fucking time you see Martin and one get together, Gina broke up the mother. Yes, Tisha Campbell went and fucked up the whole damn thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, to this day. You know what I'm saying? Tashina Arnold's always going to be cool to ask Pam. She's also Rochelle. But, like, you know, when you see them get together, it's like, it's like when um Tommy passed away. They all went to the funeral and they took a picture. It was everybody in the shop of Gina because she done fucked it up. You know. It's just what it is. So now we have the Spice Girls. And so they, let me tell you something. I love the Spice Girls. I grew up with them. 
they really do have a special place in my heart. You know, if if you want to talk about feminism or or just like the girl power, that was like the thing. You know, they people still be talking about. They was talking about hashtag girl. They still talk about hashtag girl power till this day, even before they want to come back and and do the damn reunion. So they, you know, we, you know, there's a generation of women out here. Shit, you had little girls like me running around here feeling empowered, ready to go to school and slap every boy in sight, including all the male teachers, and say girl power while I'm standing over they dizzy asses. You know what I'm saying? Like it was really that real. <laughs> so when they said they was coming back for this reunion. I was like, all right, let's do it. First thing they did wrong, bitch, is Posh ain't there. Posh is not there, okay? Victoria, Victoria is too good to be fucking seen with these struggle bitches. Like, she's not not trying to come out. (laughs) Victoria been living the high life for a long time. She certainly does not need... No Spice Girls 2019 tour check. And that's a fact. You know what I'm saying? She ain't showing up for this shit. <laughs> you know? So, look. At the same time, like, while I don't blame her, I'm just kind of like, she's still missing. Oh, nobody want to fucking see all four. It wasn't four, you bitches. It was five. And I'm tired of them fucking trying to cheat the public like motherfuckers don't know. No, motherfuckers. People shit missing, motherfucker. Where's the guy in here for this shit? So I hear during the first concert, there was issues with the sound and people was walking out. I said, listen, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. Listen, honey. <laughs> if you're going to, what they say, go hard or go home. <laughs> if you, <laughs> listen, if you ain't gonna do it right, sit your ass down, please. Have several seats. I'm sorry. Yo, first of all, I'm looking at their costumes for this tour, right? And I'm looking at it, and I'm like, first, they, they look like some shit out of Sailor Moon Japanese anime cartoon. If you, in, in my generation, you know Sailor Moon, and you know what I'm talking about, and you know it's a group of motherfucking bitches, <laughs> right? They look like some shit out of some Japanese anime. Now, trust me when I tell you, I know it was the 90s. I know that the fashion then was different than today, but trust me when I tell you, in 2019, there is a way to incorporate 90s style with a 2019 twist, and you could just tell that there's, like, no budget on this tour. Like, if there's a, if there's a budget at all, it's like a Target Walmart budget because these bitches got hot glue, and they're just tossing glitter on shit because I'm... Listen, all right? I seen Mel B, Scary Spice, and Leopard from Head to toe. I had, you know who I roasted about doing that shit? Sparkle. Sparkle did an interview with the New York Times where she claimed that, oh, you know, if they need me to testify against R. Kelly, I'm going to go forward. And I was roasting her. But then I also was talking about how she had the nerve to wear a leopard from head to toe in three different colors. Not one, but three different colors. If I'm not mistaken, the top was blue. It was a blue leopard turtleneck. Okay, so she was covered from the neck down to the wrist, bitch. Then she had on brown leopard pants. I believe it was like a bell-bottom style. And then she had on a red leopard belt. I said, oh, my God. I felt like I, I felt like I was having a damn motherfucking acid trip. And that's the same way I feel looking at the damn Spice Girls. What's going on here? I don't, let me tell you something. Let me tell you, let me tell you something. 
I call them struggle reunions because you can tell that they are struggling and need a damn check. They're not doing it. Let me tell you something, all right? Listen, listen, I'm gonna, let, let me tell you something. If I was a member of any one of these motherfucking groups, everybody's trying to, listen, salt and pepper trying to, they all trying to come back, honey. And I ain't got no problem with them. All I'm saying is, if you're going to do it, just do it right. Listen, half of them look winded when they dancing out here. Well, look, look at the Jackson 5, twirling around on the stage, overgrown, oversized men. You know what I'm saying? Like, they going to have a heart attack. At least get in shape. I think the best reunion to date so far is uh, Backstreet Boys. I said that in the previous episode. They bought a tear to my eye and everything. I was very, very, very... Let me, I'm sorry, I got... Yeah, I'm about to get. Don't worry, Chapel's Corner about to get sound effects soon. We about to be taking it higher, y'all. But you know that's the only one. <clears throat> so that's it. Posh ain't there, and I, you know, I mean, look. Here's how I feel, basically, right? I feel like this. It, it, it's just like Michael Jackson right now. Every time, every time we see Mike. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. In 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 defense of the Jackson Five, I will say this. The only time the Jackson 5 did a reunion and they did it right was when Michael did the reunion. And Michael did the reunion. I believe they honored him for a Lifetime Achievement Award. And it was one of the, uh, one of the ones that's most... I mean, he had so many successful <laughs> runs in life, but it's always mentioned in one of the, all the things that he's accomplished. And Destiny's Child was there. And Destiny's Child did a tribute to him and a lot of other people did as well. But I'll never forget that he asked his brothers to please come on stage with him. And when I tell you, even with his winded, out of shape, motherfucking brothers with him behind him, the way that they did it, the way that he put it together, he gave that to that generation. My mother's generation and those people before, you know, the people that really was there when the Jackson 5 was just coming up before they knew that they was ever gonna be as big as they was gonna be. You know what I'm saying? And you gotta respect that, man. You know, that man was like a perfectionist. I ain't taking this half-ass shit no more. So my whole thing is like, with the Spice Girls, you know, and, and, and um, you know, live and say, I don't give a fuck what the hell y'all redoing. If you're not going to do it right, sit your asses down because we have, pl- listen, that's what YouTube is for. I could sit my ass down and just go back to YouTube to the official tissue videos where y'all was legit and y'all was official and your bodies was right. Anybody got time for nobody? Listen, let me say something. I'm, I'm not doing it. And that's all I got to say about Struggles Beauty. Now, the next person, no, the, ne- the next person I'm going to talk about real quick is Lamar Odom. <laughs> Ciao. I'm going to need y'all to go get Lamar. I'm going to need y'all to go get y'all boy. Because he is out here. Okay, so he got a memoir. I could give two rat shits what the title of the memoir is, but it's a memoir out. And all this man is doing is talking and talking and talking. And the media is killing me. Because instead of just telling us everything that the fucking memoir says in just one article so we could just get it over with, they have this thing where they're just like every single day they're spoon feeding you little tidbits of what's in this damn book. So the first thing that we, you know, I think we all know was the he admitted to having a sex addiction, not only just a drug addiction, and to sleeping with over 2,000 women. I'll share my thoughts about that. And then after that, I did read that in the memoir and in the interviews he's been doing lately, he admitted to trying to kill Chloe during the marriage or threatening to kill Chloe at some point during the marriage. I said, let me tell you something. Cocaine is one hell of a motherfucking drug. So it's crack and a lot of other, but that, nigga, what? No. Not only is you trying to kill me with your dirty ass dick that you've been taking all over. 
I don't know, space. <laughs> space and earth, nigga. But now you're trying to get... I'm, I'm, I'm going to need you to get up out my motherfucking house. Okay? I'm glad she got up about her shit. And so the another story that i seen... <clears throat> let me see if I can get this correct. Is that he's saying that he was almost killed... Now he's saying he was almost killed by a brothel owner. And that he did not have any recollection of doing cocaine or any drugs that night but he od'd and then and then now this guy is dead this guy can't speak for himself this owner of the so-called brothel cannot speak for himself he he passed away but he's saying that he knows for a fact that this guy did something or somebody in there connected to him did something to him but at the same time there's toxicology reports that report that you had cocaine up in your damn system and there had two witnesses that was there that said that before he OD'd they dead ass heard and uh, um, him snorting cocaine up his motherfucking and that's what they said in the article and I'm like let me listen he's like um, let, let me tell you like I said it's, cocaine is one hell of a drug okay it's possible it's possible that he was hallucinating and he probably believed that he thought somebody ain't nobody listen Lamar shut the fuck up Lamar nobody cares about what the fuck Lamar Odom is talking about the last claim that brought me over the edge was that he said that when he was laying in the, in the hospital and for, for, <laughs> when he was laying in the hospital in a coma that Chloe his wife at the time and her family mostly his mother Chris was extremely rude to his family but at the same time he admits in the article and what they from what they quote from what he's saying he admits that at that time chloe didn't know or they hadn't met more than half of his family which i thought was odd but whatever you know what i'm saying because they're in the industry they probably don't get to see everybody all the time but she hadn't met all of the family and then he said that at, um there was an incident where chris jenner was sitting down somewhere in the lobby of the hospital she got up to go use the bathroom or something and she came back. When she came back, his aunt was sitting in a chair. She didn't know Chris Jenner was sitting there. And Chris said, That's my seat. And then so the the woman got up and then like she was so so that was a, I said first of all, Lamar, once again, Lamar, please please shut up. What are you talking about? What are, what, are you, what are you Lamar, please stop it. First of all, you a damn addict. Don't nobody you got problems. Instead of owning up to your shit, stop blaming everybody else. First of all, you wouldn't have been in no motherfucking coma if your ass wasn't running around here <laughs> trying to be King Dingling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and a motherfucking cocaine cowboy. You know what I'm saying? Like, you did this to yourself, nigga. Don't you love the people that be doing this to themselves? You, you, you listening to this, now you trying to cash in. Because I don't want to say he need more drug money because I don't want to be like that. But, child, you need to go look at the cover of this book. Because I'm looking at Lamar. <laughs> I'm looking at Lamar on the cover of this book. And I'm saying to myself, damn, not only is cocaine one hell of a drug, but so is Photoshop. Photoshop is one hell of a drug, y'all. When I tell you these people, done, they done smoothed out his face so. They done lifted his shit. You do, I'm telling you, the way the man looked, you would have seen that. You would have never thought that there was any trace of drug addiction in his life. But if you look at Clear Shot Lamar Odom today as they catching him leaving in the airport, and they, the nigga, he looked chopped, all right? The man is chopped and screwed, okay? And y'all know that's the motherfucking truth. So I'm, I'm just laughing. Don't nobody, I don't, nobody cares. Who cares? Everybody got a memoir now. Everybody's writing a motherfucking tell-all book. It's not even, it's not even, it's not even as popular, like it's popular, I guess you could say, as far as to capitalize on it, as far as like in, in business sense, 
yeah, you can do that and make some money. But in the sense of like how it used to be when back in the day when people used to write a tell-all book, it was like kind of rare. <laughs> and it was like a unicorn. You know what I'm saying? It was something you kind of want or a four-leaf clover. Nowadays, just every time you turn around today, it's just like a, it's just like a story to tell. You can, I can't tell if you're telling a story anymore to tell because it's the truth or you're just telling a story anymore because you're just trying to get a paycheck. You know what I'm saying? So I call that struggle book writing. Because at the end of the day, we all know, hey, listen, Lamar, you ain't shit but a motherfucking, a, a motherfucking recovering uh, cocaine addict thought pocket. Y'all heard that right. Thought pocket. Thought pocket. <laughs> thought pocket. Yeah, he's a thought pocket. Nasty ass. And you know, we know it's sad. It's still going to be bitches out here trying to fuck him. Whatever. I ain't got time. Whatever. Ah, next. <clears throat> oh, lastly, actually. So, I wanted to talk about what's going on with this. If you're in my generation, I'm about, I'm about, I'm 34 years old, so if you're in my generation, I guess I'm talking about, like, anywhere from 80, 81, 82, 83, 84, right? Maybe even 85, right? But I really would say from 80 to 84. Hell, maybe even a little later. It doesn't matter. You remember certain shows and certain movies of our time back then, right? And I'm pretty sure as we're getting older today, we're starting to see a lot of that stuff coming back. It's a lot of TV shows they're rebooting. It's a lot of movies that they're redoing. That's from our time and from our generation. And it's weird to me because in my in our generation, in our time, they wasn't re- remaking Casablanca. And they wasn't remaking, which they better not ever remake, Gone with the Wind. I did a whole episode about... Um, just say no to remakes and sequels and I went off because they was doing Mary Poppins over and I was like that's not my Mary Poppins I'm not I said a fake ass Julie Andrews bitch yo I went and that's a fake ass Julie Andrews mind you Julie Andrews is still alive and they ain't even asked Julie Andrews to cameo in it as even a grandmother to these kids that this fake ass Mary you're a fake ass Julie Andrews bitch right so I was went off about that but then I was going on about saying, like, all these things. And not just my shows, but my mother's shows. Because I know for a fact, one of my mother's shows that she used to constantly be watching back in the day in the late 80s, early 90s, is Hawaii Five O. And in the past, I want to say, like, over the sometime within the past 10 years, they remade Hawaii Five O. So one night, <clears throat> I'll never forget, many years ago, my mom was going through her TV guide. And she was like, oh, my gosh, Hawaii Five O. She was off and everything. And it was like a marathon and she, it was getting ready to start. So she got herself comfortable. She got a little snacks ready. Child, Hawaii Five-O came on. Don't you know it was not her Hawaii Five-O. It was the modern-day Hawaii Five-O. My mother said, what the fuck is that? Yo, my mother was tight. She was like, this ain't my Hawaii Five-O. This is this. So she tried. She tried to sit through an episode but really, she just cursed through the whole episode and was like, this is bullshit. So I noticed that you see Aladdin is bad. They done did the modern day Aladdin. It's not a cartoon. It's more like you see, but they got Will in there, which who knew Will was going to be uh, playing Aladdin with whatever. You know, they done did Sabrina the Teenage Witch is back. Sabrina, Sabrina's back in a more wicked, more darker way on Netflix. Charmed has been back for a while. They got DuckTales. DuckTales was one of my favorite cartoons uh, next to a lot of shit. Remember Darkwing Duck? Oh, shoot. I don't even know what... The, no, don't even get me started. Don't, don't, don't make me go down memory lane. But DuckTales and Darkwing Duck and a whole bunch of others. But they got their own damn DuckTales because one day I was going through my TV guide and I seen DuckTales, which <clears throat> I'm not ashamed to say that 
it's some it's still some cartoons like Nick. I know for a fact that there is a Nickelodeon, Mad Nickelodeon channels now. Which if you know, when I was a kid, if you, if they had Mad Nickelodeon channels on cable, I don't know. I I don't even know. I might would have rotted my brain out and my eyes. I don't go on blind, but sometimes they show some nostalgic ass throwback cartoons. I caught a Ren and Stimpy one time, and um, I know. For a fact that um, I do try to sit down and watch something. Like one time I caught some Keenan and Kel episodes. So basically what I'm saying is like it's never, I'm, I don't care how old I am. I guess I'm always going to be a Toys R Us kid. But my generation pretty much what I'm basically saying at the end of the day is just like a lot of stuff is coming back. So I just want to know why is they so swagger jacket my generation? Like is it that you this generation can't come up with anything at all? Sure they came up with some stuff, but it's just like a lot of things is just being rebooted. For me, living and experiencing that, it's 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 um it's boring. It's boring. And a lot of times when they're doing it over, they kind of, like, take away from the original. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's the same way I feel about struggle reunions. Like, just leave it alone. You know, sometimes it's just It's just like 50 Cent said with um, Power. You know, like, it's the sixth season. Sure, there was a lot of beef and stuff going on with him and the other people, you know, as far as production with Power. But whether you believe that's the reason why they're shutting it down or not, what he, the point that he made was very, very powerful to me was just that, listen, we're on a high note. We're still on a high note. Being that we're ending on season six the way that it is, I'd rather end on a high note and end while the season is going good than end like how Empire is ending or how a lot of other shows has ended where they were kind of forced to end because the ratings got bad and then by the time you watch it, it's terrible. Like, I honestly say, even me being like, I have a lot of shows that I'm a fan of, <clears throat> but I've been talking about the X-Files a lot lately because that's one of my favorite shows. I really love Scully and Mold and I really just love, I just love the X-Files. I just love how everything unfolded. But one thing I can say watching it from season one through 10 through 11, because they don't have it going on anymore, is that um, even David said, even David Duchovny, who was molded, he said that he felt that it should have stopped after season season seven. He said, what else can you possibly do? Because I felt by that time it was the same thing. By the time you get to season eight, nine, ten, and I told you between season eight and nine, Mulder was hardly, hardly there in those seasons because he was having issues with the with Fox, the company, because they weren't paying him for royalties that they were getting for reruns of the X-Files, but they were paying other people. They weren't paying him, so he wasn't coming. He didn't want to work. You know what I'm saying? And then he they settled out. But for two seasons, and then, you know, it just got bad. Sometimes you got to end while it's on a high note. You know, you don't want to always end when things are rough or when things are bad. You just got to end while it's good. Plus, 50 said that he is going to do spinoffs from it. So, you know, I think we all want to see more Tommy in them. You know what I mean? And um, that's that. So I was just trying to figure out why is they swagger jacking? Why are they swagger jacking? My stuff. Oh, so speaking of cartoons, right, I, I recently caught, caught an episode of Hey Arnold. Now, if you also saw my generation, because it's kind of like a little throwback. Now, Hey Arnold was a really good cartoon. Now, I loved Arnold as a kid, football head, <laughs> because he was always so moral and ethical, um, the voice of reason, not only amongst his peers, his community, but also amongst his, like, um, his family. You know what I mean? And where he lived at, in the house. So I was watching um, an episode, and then here comes Helga. 
And I was like, look at Helga. I forgot all about little boss-ass Helga. So much of Helga come through. She's stomping her, the house down. You know, her dad, her, her dad was um owned some big beeper corporation, which had me dying because that had me remembering how beepers was really popular in the 90s. But he was like Big Bob from like the beeper corporation or something like that. So she was a little spoiled little bitch. <laughs> But we all know she had a crush on Arnold. So I'm watching this way differently than I did when I was a kid. Because now I'm watching Helga having this crush on Arnold. You know, just looking at me, just having a crush on somebody even today or whatever. But having it under control. And I'm watching Helga bully the fuck out of Arnold. She was like, get out my way, football head. She was like, I'll suck you in the eye. Yo, she's yo, she running down on Arnold. Arnold's like, damn, Helga. Like, what? But after he goes away, she'd be like, oh, Arnold, my love. Why am I so mean to you? Why can't I just tell? And I was like, damn it. I am 34 years old, and I do not have, I need Helga to, like, make a boot camp train. I need to be like Helga, running around here getting all soft and shit. No, nigga, you need to be seeing your crushes and shit, and y'all need to be out here talking about moving football head, even if you ain't got no football head. Just moving football head. <laughs> Fuck out my way. Abuse these niggas. <laughs> Yo, Hel- Helga was a boss. What, what her name was? Helga G. Pataki. What you think that G stand for? Gangster. That was a thug. You know what I'm saying? So I watched a little Helga. I watched a few little episodes. They had like two, three episodes or whatever. Every episode is some shit about Arnold. She'll dead ass. So she, she will clown the fuck out Arnold, embarrass him, make him cry. No, damn well she loved Arnold deep down inside. I said, yeah, that's a boss. Then I said, damn, the little girl in the cartoon is putting you to shame. You're a 34-year-old grown-ass woman in the real world. You ain't got no motherfucking balls. I mean, I'm a woman. I shouldn't have, like, literally balls, but, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Helga was balls. What else I got in my nose? Shyness. I don't know. I I just write down gibberish. And expand my thoughts when I get here. So I want to talk about shyness really quickly. So I, all right, I want to talk about shyness on a personal level of myself. I know, I know that somebody out there listening to me is shy, or is painfully shy. I used to be painfully shy, believe it or not. I think, no, I'm. I don't know that I'd, I'd be lying if I said I was still am to this day. But shyness is something that a lot of people deal with, and it's something that I have to deal with my whole life. I feel like when I had to stop. When I had to face it, you know what I'm saying? Because if you're shy and it's something that you want to overcome, it's something that you have to kind of face. Kind of like, you know, looking at the ugly monster in his face and calling it by its name. You have to confront it is basically what I'm saying is when I got to college. I had to confront a lot of things when I got to college. Like, I wasn't always the best math student in high school. I hated math. I've always hated math. As a matter of fact, it got to the point that I remember I was on cheerleading for so long. I was on cheerleading from 7th to 12th grade. And I'll never forget that one time my math teacher was trying to get through to me and he was trying to figure out what he could, what he could take away from me or what he could, because I was such a <clears throat> strong and determined kind of, and he, like he, I, I would say I was a pushover, but it's kind of like I was so strong and just, and so charming, but so rebellious that he couldn't find a way to really deal with me. So he realized that I love cheerleading. He just, he just managed to put two and two together. So he talked to my coach. And then finally, the both of them sat me down and said, listen, if you ain't pulling up these girls for math, you can't cheer. And I was like, oh, man, he finally found some way to get me. So, of course, I got my math grades up. 
But when you get to college, like, it's different. Um, it's different because you're paying now. And so you don't want to necessarily waste your parents' money. You know, my mother was practically living at work. You know, there's a lot of sacrifices being made. And also you want to be successful. You want, you want it. You want the degree, too. It's not just because your parents work hard. So long story short, it came to the point where I had to go college. When I just learned how to listen, you had to just, I was pulling out my hair. But that's when I learned, like, if I really pushed myself and applied myself, that um, math wasn't as hard as, as, I, as I wanted to be. It's just something that I just had to focus on. So moving forward, I had to learn to face my fear with math. So when it came to shyness, though, moving forward, it came to speech class. In speech class or in college, you had to do presentations, even in high school. But in high school, not so much as you do in college. I feel like every semester with every damn class comes some kind of oral presentation. And then when you have speech class and you have speech class in a semester, you have to constantly be doing an oral presentation in that speech class for that semester. So you constantly got to stand in front of people. And I went to a big school, I went to St. John's University in Queens. So sometimes I had auditorium style classrooms where there was like hundreds of kids and then sometimes I had small classrooms but no matter if it was a classroom of 10, 5, 300 or whatever like I always felt scared going in front of people and so it got to the point I started to really get anxiety and I had to say to myself look how can I get out of this because I didn't want to look stupid I didn't want to get up there and be stuttering and stuff like that and whatever so I started to tell myself as I watched people go in front of me that is they're only up there for, I, have to, I really have to, I'm like, okay, they're only up there for like three minutes. And like the speech is only, whatever the professor said usually is like five minutes. So it's only five minutes. <laughs> the first thing I can't tell them is like, five minutes. It's just, you're not going to die. It's just five minutes, right? And then the next thing I realized is that um, after a while, after the first semester or two, I started to realize that after these kids who volunteer to go first, once they're done, they're done. You know, you just got to get your five minutes out the way. So I used to go home and I used to practice. I used to put my little teddy bears in. <laughs> yeah, bitch still had teddy bears in high school, college. Shut up. I had teddy bears and I was to sit there and practice in front of them. And then um, one day I decided I'm just going to go up there. So when I was looking out there, I used to watch TV. And everybody on TV used to, we, I think we all heard this. Oh, look out at the audience and try to pretend that everybody's naked. That shit don't fucking, if, if that, if you listen to that and it works for you, like, you got to email me or something and let me know, like, how you did that. Because that, that doesn't work for me to sit there. That doesn't work. So what I decided to do was just go up there and, um, I decided this is my attitude, and it's my attitude to this day. A lot of people, you know what? You don't know these people. I don't know these motherfuckers from Adam. I don't know a bitch from Eve, and I don't know a man from Adam up in here. I only see these people twice a week, sometimes three times a week, for this certain amount of time. It's only five minutes. I got to get my grade. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mother is working hard to get all this other nonsense. Just go up there and knock it out. If you say something stupid, if you fall out or whatever, who the fuck do they know that you know? Like, this is how I start talking to myself. Like, they're not going to go home. What are they going to do? Tell your whole town? Tell everybody you used to go to high school with? And so when I started, basically, the attitude that I learned to have at the end of the day was, fuck everybody and fuck you. Because the people that I'm worrying about, they really don't matter, is basically what I'm saying. So I went up there, and every time I delivered my, my oral presentations, I did them well. And it, it, I, I never understood that until I was finished. And um, I, then I started to realize my classmates was looking, and they were actually paying attention. My teacher was even interested. But I never knew that I had passion until I had speech class, because my peers had to grade me. And because they had to grade me dead ass on the spot, like as you're talking, they have this sheet where on a scale of one to five, they had to, 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 to um, rate your eye contact, your voice level, 
uh, your engagement with the audience and passion was one of the things that was on the list. And every time we did a speech on persuasion, because I always picked something that I was like really passionate about, like capital punishment. I, I, done, did, I done did everything. Michael Jackson. Because huh, I've been a Michael Jackson fan since I was a kid, since Moonwalker and all of that. I did it on so many things. I also got back that I was very passionate. So I, at, this, at that time, I had no idea that I was passionate until I found that out in my speech class. So I guess what I'm saying is life is like, um, even in class, like raising my hand. And, and, and I hate when you used to go to work or jobs and you used to try to get to, remember when they used to do orientation and used to always do that stupid shit where they'd be like, we're gonna go around the room and tell us a little bit about yourself. What the fuck is, I hate that shit. I know that that's supposed to be like an icebreaker. And I understand that that's supposed to get like people to get to know about one another. Like I had one question at an orientation at a job one time that they was like, you know, what's something about you that people don't really know? And what I brought up, um, and by this time during the orientation, it's literally like kind of during the end before the final stages. That's when they made us do this. So a lot of people had already interacted with me and got to know me and my personality because we did a lot of workshops together. And I'm like, well, my thing what people don't know about me is that like I'm painfully shy and everybody's like you shy painful I'm like hell yeah they're like, but it doesn't, it doesn't come more I'm like listen man I just jump in I just jump in I don't know I don't I don't I don't it's, it's I jump in because at the same time while I have anxiety I just don't care you know and I think one thing that I want to really stress in this podcast while I talk about so many different things I would like to hope that one thing that people take away a couple things that people take away from this is one I'm all about being free you know what I'm saying? Because um, it's it's not always easy, period, to just be comfortable in your own skin. It's hard enough to just be comfortable in your own skin for you to just be comfortable with you. But then once you do, if you're blessed enough to finally be able to be comfortable in your own skin, it's even harder to get people to be able to accept you, who you are, in that skin. And it's it, that's that's where the fear comes in at, in my opinion, the anxiety, and even that, like, crippling kind of like isolation kind of fear comes in you know it's only when you can be yourself that's why they said like you know to that own self be true these little cliches that people think is just cliches like as i get older in life i realize that they're not just cliches like this shit is real you know what i'm saying like to that own self be true you have to be true you know to yourself you being shy is something that'll um hinder you you, you have to find ways to figure out. Now, now, it, do I still deal with being shy today? Yeah, yo, I'm not going to lie. Like, i am be honest, as a woman, even when it comes to, like, when it comes to my crush at times, I get shy. I hate that I could get, I get shy. I'm still who I am, but there are times where, you know, I, I still get shy. But even in those moments, like, I, have, I just, I just got to be who I, you know, who I am. You also got to not be afraid to fail, you know. Some people is extremely type A and shy. Shit. If you type A and you shy, that's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not afraid to fail. You're not afraid to, you know, before somebody becomes a master at, 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 at anything, they failed so many times. You know what I mean? There's, there's nobody that is um, great at anything that didn't have flaws. And that's how you learn how to be perfect or how you perfect things or how to do it better. You know what I'm saying? The point is to persevere and to keep going. But when it comes to shyness and life, it is something, if you are dealing with it, that you have to... Um, I would never be able to talk as much as I'm talking right now. There were times when I was in relationships and I was a, a damn mute. 
and it hurt my relationships because while I had so much in my head that I was thinking and maybe that I wanted to say, I couldn't necessarily articulate myself or I'd be on the phone and they would be doing, or people were holding most of the conversation and it's almost like they're talking to a shell, but really I have stuff to say and I don't know how to say and I don't know how, you know, how to um, <clears throat> um, speak it out, out loud. So, you know, it's just something to, I guess you could say, to kind of think about. But like I said, the best way you can kind of go about it is to just realize that at the end of the day, especially if these motherfuckers ain't paying your damn bills, bitch, don't pay them no mind and just speak your mind. I knew I became a free bitch when the teacher was set, was talking shit or I be <clears throat> after college, I took courses like I took a paralegal course, a couple things. I'm always trying to sit there and um invest in myself but I knew I was somebody when I just started raising my hand bitch either I either I'm gonna answer the question or a bitch got a question when I became that bitch because remember when you used to be sitting in class come on remember when you sitting in class you want there's a time when you don't want them to call on you there's a time when you don't want them to call on you like oh my god even if you know the answer you're just like I'm shy I don't want to talk in front of the class it's times in the past where people don't want to get called on to read everybody hate being in a motherfucking class with a TV. whether you read good or you don't read well you understand what I'm saying? Like, nobody wants to be in a class unless you want to read. Dang. After a while, if anybody want to read shit, I'll read. <laughs> that's, when I, that's when I knew a bitch was breaking out her shyness. <laughs> who want to go up to the board? But see, when they was doing who want to go up to the board stuff, because sometimes the teacher will pick you, and sometimes it will be from an assignment. This is even in college. Even from an assignment from the night before, the teacher picking you up to go to the board. This Shyness happens from a young age, like stuff like classrooms, that's, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Especially if you got a club. Don't, don't let somebody you like be in the damn classroom. That's a whole nother different story. You know? Shit. You know? What did you think about? I raised my damn hand. It got to the point the teacher used to roll their eyes when I raised my I said, well, I know you ain't going to pick on me. Now, shit, that's why they ain't going to pick on you. And I also knew, this is, I don't know why I'm going so, because I'm trying to make a point, I guess. I knew that I wasn't shy anymore when I used to be late, especially walking into a college classroom. Uh... Everybody likes to sit. Any classroom, most people like to sit towards the back. So usually what happens, the first couple rows have a lot of vacant seats. Now, when you walk in, any teacher or professor is usually automatically annoyed. They, they, some of them got a lot of type A personalities. Like they, got, they got problems. Like They really don't like to be interrupted. They don't want no interruption. So you're already walking in, you're disrupting your class. Now, I found in the past that when I see people walk in late, that my professors used to get extremely annoyed. Not only was they late, but they, they, they got to go, they zigzagging through the rows of desks trying to hurry up and find something in the back. It's more distracting because some people got to move books. Now you're causing people to, to, to kind of uh, break their concentration from them. They're annoyed. So I learned, listen, before I wasn't to the classroom, I was late. I look in through that door. I find the first available desk in front of the professor. I don't get I didn't give a fuck. I'm telling you, that's when I knew I started to be free. I will find the first available desk in front of the professor. That's my way of saying I'm late. But even though I and, and not only that, before I walked in the classroom, I had a notebook open to a blank page. If there was a folder with my assignment open there, I had the, a, a, um, the folder out already. This way, I, by the time I sit down, I'm not digging in my bag, causing a, a distraction, getting a pencil and a pen. I got a pen ready, so all this is already open. I get, I walk right in, sit in the front desk, and sit with my shit already open, and I, I'm just sitting there. Yo, my professor could, none of them never said shit to me because they appreciate the fact that I, I barely brought the conversation to class. Meanwhile, my classmates are looking at me like, she's a boss, she walks in late, she got a book, she got a books open, bitch, sit right in the motherfucking front of the teacher and be like, I'm ready to learn, yeah, bitch. I'm breaking out this motherfucking shyness. I got to get my motherfucking life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, 
boldness is great. Boldness is, is, is wonderful. You know, is there times where you're going to be honest and bold and unshy and it's going to backfire on you? Yeah, sure. You know what I'm saying? Are there times where when that happens, it's going to make you not want to do it again? Of course. Shit happens to me. But at the same time, like, it never really completely stops me because then I, then I won't be, you know, being free to be who I am. The other thing I want people to take away from this podcast is I want you all to be, I want you all to laugh. I want you all to um, find the silver lining in things, you know, even me in my life, every day, everything isn't perfect. But one thing I, I go through a lot of emotions every day. One thing I do every single day is I laugh. Like one thing about my entire life from a young child and even being raised where I was raised at and, and the friends that I've had when I was younger and the peers and my classmates from um, junior high school to high school, I can honestly say I was around a lot of class clowns. So laughing was always like a part of my life. It's the only way to get through to me. So as I get older, of course, I'm always going to want to be serious. Of course, I'm always going to want to take things seriously. But I do feel like there is a group of people getting older who just don't know how to, like, really laugh anymore or just take enjoyment. You know, not just when you're watching something that's funny on TV, not just when you go into the comedy club, but you got to just be able to sometimes even laugh at yourself. Laughter is medicine, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's healing. And I just I just love to laugh. So I want people to be happy. You know what I'm saying? I don't want people to be stressed out or going through nothing. So I would hope that listening to this podcast sometimes that people get some type of joy from it. Because um, if nothing else, you know, then then what are we doing here? Because it's always supposed to just be jokes and opinions here on Chapel's Conta, you know. So those are the two things that I would just want people to. I just want um, shyness and laughter. You know what I'm saying? Be who you is. It's like I say all the time. Be who you will. Okay, I think I told enough. What time is it? It's 2.37. If y'all even still, oh my gosh, it's been like 40-something minutes. Child, what's wrong with me tonight? All right, well, so I love you. I'll see you all a little later here on Chapel's Quantum.